0: I also want to start off today asking you a question, All right? Now, it's a question that I asked four or five weeks ago, uh, but I want to come back and revisit it because things have kind of changed a little bit since then. Here's, here's my question. How are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? Now I don't, I don't know about, about you, but, but, but now that this change is settling in, here's what it feels like to me. To me, it feels like I'm settling into a place that I don't really want to settle into, right? As I've been talking to people, here are some of the things that I've been hearing. I've been hearing from people that these times are confusing, right? Like Saturday feels like Wednesday now, right? They're just confusing. I've also heard from people that working from home just isn't working, right? Balancing homeschooling and a full-time job from home is proving to be really difficult for people. I'm also hearing that that working from home is making me wonder how relevant my work actually is. And, And here's why. People don't know if they're being successful at their job or not every day because they don't have people around them to affirm that. They're just kind of trugging along, doing their job, and and sometimes they wonder, gosh, is what I'm doing really even relevant? I've also heard, I can't do this anymore. I've also heard, the less I do, the more worthless I feel, right? There's something about being in an office, and when you're finished with your work, you can still kind of walk around and talk to people and create work to do, but now that you can't do that, you're kind of left at the end of the day going, gosh, do I have any worth in this? I've also heard, how long will this last? Will this forever be changed? See, here's the deal. Here's what all these statements do. All these statements have this cloud of weight with them, right? And here's what this cloud does. It does something to our hope. Now, I think it's important to note, as I've been talking to people, I still hear hope. Hope isn't gone. Hope is still there. And for the follower of Jesus, here's what hope is. Hope is a favorable expectation of the future. That's what hope is for the believer. It it, it means that we look to the future and and we see favor there. We see a positive outcome. We're hopeful for and we expect a positive outcome. That's what hope does, right? For The scripture says God works all things together for those who love him. And so so we we are hopeful and we expect that that something good is happening. We're hopeful and we expect that God is still in control. We're, We're hopeful and we expect that we can still trust God in all of this. And all those people that I've talked to, they still have this hope. But, but here's what this cloud of heaviness is doing. This, this cloud of, of, of heaviness is covering up this hope. And, and, and the word that keeps coming to my mind is it's covering it up with despondency. And what despondency means is that it actually means hopelessness. Right? And so, so our hope is being covered up with hopelessness. And so here's what many of us might be experiencing. You might be experiencing hope and hopelessness at the exact same time. And that may be really new and strange for you, and it may be something that's kind of settling in. And what this means is that you look to the future and you have this favorable expectation for the future, but the future is still really scary. Does this describe you? Does it describe your week? Does it describe your, your work? Does it describe this transition in life that you're in? You see, I don't think it's just me or those people that I've talked to. I wonder if it's you too. And if it is you, you're not alone. Because right now, here's what I bet's happening. I bet as, as soon as I asked, is this you? People started hitting like and love. And all those likes and loves that are popping up right now, those are other people who are feeling the same way you are. You are not alone. And if this does describe you today, here's what I'm excited to show you, because what we're going to see today is how hope grows. We're going to see how hope grows from, from being covered up by despondency to pushing that hopelessness out. Now, we're back in our series of Revelation called Breakthrough, and believe it or not, I think Revelation is a book all about hope, Right? And I think it's incredibly relevant for today's time because what Revelation does is it shows these scary events, right? There's probably not a scarier book in the Bible than reading Revelation oftentimes. But when we understand this book better, we see hope, lots and lots of hope. And so grab your Bibles And turn with me to Revelation 3, we're going to do verses 1 through 6. Now we started this series all the way back in January. Y'all remember January? January 2020? It seems like it was so long ago, doesn't it? Well, when we started this series, what we did is we put these mirror pieces up on the wall, these broken mirror pieces, to capture this idea of breaking through. Now, what we did, and and I surprised the congregation with this, is behind uh, almost every single one of those pieces is a person who calls Fellowship Asheville home. Their name is written on the back of it. And what we did is we prayed over each piece of that mirror multiple times for that person to experience breakthrough. Now, lots of you have joined us since January and some of you have joined us. You're curious about this, right? particularly those who have joined us online. I'm so glad that you're here. And so so you're curious. You're not convinced that Jesus is everything that he says he is, everything that we say he is, you're, but you're curious and you're here. Well, let me tell you, this series, Breakthrough, is a great series for you. And I'm so glad that you're here. I think I think by joining us, you've discovered this wonderful place to start trying to figure out is Jesus who he says he is. Now, let me ask you, if you're part of that curious crowd that has joined us, do you need a breakthrough in your life? Is there something that you wanna stop doing that you haven't been able to start doing? Or is there something that needs to start that hasn't been able to start? Do you need a breakthrough? If, If you do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let us know because I would love to add a piece of that mirror up there for you. I would love to write your name on the back of one of those pieces of mirror so that we can pray for you to experience breakthrough. Now, even those of you who are already committed to Jesus, you said yes to Jesus and you've joined us since January. Same question goes to you. Do you need a breakthrough? Because we'd love to be praying for you too. And we'll add a mirror piece for you too. And so if you'd like us to do this, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to click the like. I don't want you to click the heart button. I want you to click the wow button. Right? So that way we'll know that, that you want us to add a piece of the mirror for you up there for breakthrough. So you can do that, or you can leave a comment on the side that says, add a mirror piece for me, or you can even email Amy at Fellowship, Amy at FellowshipAshville.com. And now here's the trick you can do this now as you're watching it live, or you can do it later when you're watching it. We just kind of keep back and check uh, to see if anybody does that. We want to pray for you, and we, wanna, we want you to experience breakthrough. And we will add a broken piece of mirror up there for you. Now, I want to remind you about the theme of Revelation before we get back in, because you start talking about Revelation. And here's what happened. People have all kinds of questions and all kinds of opinions. They, they want to look at this ancient letter and they want to know, like, who is this Antichrist that pops up and, 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 and what is it and, and, and where is it? What are these end times? And listen, these are all great questions, uh, but none of them capture the theme of this book. You see, those of you who have been with us since we started, you know what Revelation is about, right? Now let's see if you can fill in this blank if you've been with us since we started. That Revelation is all about, there's the blank. Can you fill it in? You see, Revelation is all about Jesus. That's what Revelation is about. At the very first verse of this letter, you can see that because the very first letter, the very first verse in this letter says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about the Antichrist, it's not about end times. The book of Revelation isn't about all those strange things that we're gonna see written in its pages. It's a revelation of one person and it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here's why this is important. If this book was about all those other things, if it was about the Antichrist and end times and about the other strange things that we see in, this, in these pages, when we read this book, we get scared and fear would set in. And that's all we would have when we read this book is we would have fear. Fear creates that despondency that covers up hope. Let me ask you, have you been scared when you've read the book of Revelation? I know I have. When I was, when I was younger and read the book of Revelation, it scared me. Actually, it feels a lot like sometimes I feel now in these uncertain times, these scary times. However, if Revelation is all about Jesus, that means this book is designed for you to have hope. Right? When we read these pages, remember this, this gif that I showed? We can feel like Steve Harvey right now, right? That's what the book of Revelation is designed to do. It's designed to give you hope, so that when you read its pages, you end up like that. Well, let's let's find out today how hope grows and by seeing what's happening in the church in this ancient town called Sardis. Because remember, the first first part of Revelation is these letters to churches. Look at chapter three, verse one says this, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, this is one of the things Revelation is known for, right? This kind of picturesque, um, illustrative language. Right. In, in in each of these letters, like I said, the first three chapters of these letters to seven churches, uh, Jesus follows the same formula uh, in each of these letters. He, he describes himself in a very specific way for this church and, and in a very specific way for us as we read it. And then he goes through and he tells this church, hey, here's what you're doing right. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what repentance looks like for you. Here's what will happen if you don't repent. And even better, here's the reward for you when you do repent. Now here, Jesus describes himself as the one who has seven spirits and seven stars. And, and, and seven spirits, we'll see that terminology again in the book of Revelation, and it describes the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And the seven stars, as we've already seen in the previous letters, describe the pastors and churches that these letters are going to. And so with seven being repeated, seven spirits and seven stars, I think what Jesus is doing is he's showing this church in Sardis, Sardis that the God of the universe has his attention on them, right? That these seven spirits and seven stars, stars—there's if you will, there's a spirit for each, for each star, right? It's a one-to-one correlation which shows that God can be individually focused. He can have his eye on the entire universe and everything that's going on, but he can also have his full attention given to a specific church, to a specific person. But God gives each church, each pastor, and each person his undivided attention is what this is showing. And here's what this means for hope to grow. It means that my hope grows When I believe that I am known by God, when God of the universe sees me individually. Now, here's the deal about God. He knows all about you, doesn't he? He knows knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your successes, your failures. He knows your righteousness. He knows your sin. He knows it all. And you know what? He doesn't leave you. That, That attention, that undivided attention doesn't turn off. And your hope grows when you understand and know and believe that God knows you. Even when you're doing this. Look at what this church is doing. Jesus says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Now, what's interesting, remember I said there's this pattern that Jesus follows with the churches. He tells them, here's what you're doing right, and here's what you're doing wrong, and and here's what repentance looks like, and and so forth. With this church, he doesn't tell them what what they're doing right. This is one of the two churches that isn't doing anything right. Right? He tells them, you've got this good reputation, and I guess you could count that as something right, but, but to me, that's, a little, that's a, a little tricky to do that, because he tells them, you've got a good reputation, but really, you're dead, meaning that their reputation is nothing but a mask, it's nothing but a disguise, it's nothing but a costume, and here's what this looks like in kind of real time. This is someone who looks all put together on the outside, but at home, they're a total wreck right? I mean, if you want a visual picture of it, it's like someone who looks like me right now from the top, got the iron shirt, collared, looking good. In the bottom, I've got shorts and, and running shoes again, right? Like, like this is what a person looks like in their soul, that everything looks good out front to people, but at home, they're a wreck. Now, here's the deal with the times we're living in and stay home, stay safe, right? Things might be getting exposed right now. Right? You don't have two worlds that you're living in. You have one world that you're living in. And for the person that is used to living in two worlds, here's what it looks like. It's like the dad who looks like the perfect dad in public, but at home he's abusing his wife and he's abusing his kids, either with words or even with his hands and fists. It looks like the woman who's in every Bible study that's offered. Right? But at home... She can't control her words and her heart is growing more and more bitter every day. Now, if I give those two illustrations and you're like, phew, that's not me, right? I'm not hitting my spouse and, and I don't have a bitter heart. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get up in your business just a little bit, right? Because there's a way to tell if this describes you, if, if your reputation is one way and your spiritual life is another. And it's a very simple test. Right? Spotting these people is actually very easy, and it could be you, and it's this. People like this never say, I'm sorry. Right? They never ask another person to forgive them for something that they did. They never ask for forgiveness from others. They never confess their sin to God, Right? because they're dead on the inside. And so are you thinking you might be one of these people will let me ask you when was the last time that you said will you forgive me for this and then fill in the blank to another human when was the last time you did that if you can't remember the last time you did that jesus might be describing you here it might be that your reputation is one way and your spiritual life is another but y'all Here's our hope. Remember, we have a God who gives us his undivided attention. And Jesus sees you just as you are and loves you. And he wants better for you, which is why he says this in verse 2. He says, Wake up, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God remember when what you received and heard keep it and repent in other words he's saying wake up listen listen you 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 know what you should be doing you've been taught right from wrong he's saying you know better than this y'all i got to tell you about a time when I was a teenager, right? This was way back in the eighties and we wrote notes to each other in school, right? And so for those of you who are younger, imagine text messaging only on paper, right? That's what we did. And, And imagine you wrote something very private and very confidential and very much against what your parents had taught you to do and your parents discover that text message, right? To a friend. That's what happened to me. Me and a friend were writing notes back to each other during the school day, and in it, we were detailing something that we were gonna go do the next day after school, which was something that my parents had very clearly taught me not to do, very clearly that his parents had taught him not to do, and yet, we were going to go do it, and we had laid out these plans. And I put that note in my pocket of my jeans and and left it there, and my mom found it when she was doing laundry. And here's what I remember. I remember my mom running through the kitchen from the laundry room. She was going to my mom and dad's bedroom and she dropped the note on the kitchen table and I was standing there and I immediately knew what she saw. And y'all, I had never seen her cry like I had seen her cry that day. She sobbed. And the reason that she sobbed is because she loved me and she wanted better for me. And I will never forget her looking up at me and saying, we taught you better than this. In other words, she was saying what Jesus said here, wake up. Because the truth is, they did teach me better. Now, if you've been coming to church here long enough, you've been taught right from wrong. If you're a kid and you've been in our small groups and you've been in our children's ministry, your small group leader and, and your large group leaders, they've been teaching you right from wrong based on the gospel and based on the truth of God's word. We do this for the same reason my mom and dad did it. We do this for the same reason your mom and dad do it. We do it for the same reason that Jesus does. We want better for you. So church, our Jesus, our God who looks at us each individually and yet holds everything in the universe together, he wants better for us. He wants better for you, which is why he says to repent. Now, repent is this churchy word, right? But here's what repent means. It just means to change, right? It literally means to turn around. If you're hiking, it's a switchback. That's all it is, right? And and it means to turn around and turn back to where we need to go. Why? Because it's better for us. And when you do, you grow hope. You see, my hope grows when I repent, when I see sin in my life and turn from it and turn to Jesus and and live life his way, which is better. My hope grows. And you see, if, if you need more hope, do what Jesus says is best for you to do. Obey him. Why? Because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. Now watch what he says if you don't. The rest of verse 3, it says, If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. You see, the city of Sardis, in our weekly update, I said, if you want to dig a little deeper, do some googling on the city of Sardis. And if you did, you might have discovered the city of Sardis, uh, this ancient city was kind of up on a mountain and had this huge wall around it. And it was considered uh, impregnable that you couldn't, an army could not take over this city because of the mountain and because of the wall that surrounded it. The thought was this city could never be defeated. And, And the people in that city took great comfort in that until until it was defeated and it was defeated twice. And here's how it was defeated, a simple path leading into the city. See, what this army did is they realized the city can't be sustained on its own. Stuff has to come in and out of this city somehow. And so they found the way it was. And it was this very simple path that led up the mountain into the city unprotected. And so what this army did is at night, they crept into this city one by one. They didn't conquer it with this huge force. They just walked into the city one by one and gathered in the city and then attacked it from the inside. And Jesus is saying, That that, that to the person who thinks that having a good reputation is enough, it's like this person that thinks that that they can't be conquered, right? That they think that God likes them because everything looks good on the outside, that God loves them and has this relationship with them because of what they do, not who they are. And this person, just like this city, had their trust in the wrong place. Because you see, here's the problem with thinking that your reputation is enough. It means that your faith, uh, this means that your faith is fueled by your actions, right? That your faith is fueled by your actions, that you're doing, if you're doing right, if you're doing enough good things and not, not too many bad things, then your faith is good. God obviously loves you because you're doing the right thing. Now let me tell you, this makes great religion, but it makes really bad Christianity. Right, because here's here's what religion says. Religion says, do good and God will love you. But our faith, Christianity says this, says God loves you, so go be good. It's flipped. You see, our Jesus died and rose again so you and I can have this good, right, and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. And that isn't based on our actions. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that. That our faith is based on Jesus's actions. That he lived this perfect life and yet died the death of a criminal so that we can have the benefit of his perfect life even though we deserve that death of a criminal because we have done things that are wrong. You see, God loves us and here's the deal. God loves us because of Jesus. God loves us through Jesus. God loves us even when our reputation and our actions don't line up. And Jesus' call here, because of God's undivided attention to you, maybe this is the change you need because my hope grows when my faith fuels my actions. My hope doesn't grow when my actions fuel my faith, but my hope grows when my faith fuels my actions you want to know what happens when this happens, when your faith fuels your actions, you want to know what your reward for letting your faithful your full fueling your actions is going to be. Look at verse four and five. It says, yeah, you still have a few names in Sardis, People who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white. So, what he's saying is that listen, in this town, there are people who are doing this where their faith is fueling their actions, their reputation matches their actions. And, and he's highlighting them. And he's gonna tell them something unique is gonna to happen to them. Um, they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before His angels. Now, here's what here's what we have to be careful with when we read our Bible. Sometimes we take our world and impose it over these scriptures. And what you have to do is you have to dig a little deeper and see what this meant to the person who was reading it for the first time. What was what was going on in their world? And when you know that, this makes perfect sense. Because here's what would happen. in in, in Roman culture in ancient time, if a warrior came back successful from battle and, and completed his mission and conquered the enemy, even if a citizen was just a really good citizen, the Romans would do something in particular. What they would do is they would take this citizen, they would take this warrior, and they would dress them in a white toga. They would dress them in all white. And then they would parade them through the city so the city could see what a, a good warrior looks like. They would see what a good citizen looks like. And then in Rome, they had these books of citizenship. And so they would open up the book of citizenship and read that person's name out loud for everyone to hear. And so what Jesus is saying here is that when your faith fuels your actions, you have this undivided attention from God, and heaven sees. And not only does heaven see when your faith fuels your actions, it is celebrated in heaven. And it is celebrated. Now, here's why this is important, because oftentimes obedience doesn't feel like you're being celebrated, does it? As a matter of fact, depending on what type of friends you have around you and what type of people you have around you, obedience to God can lead to anything except feeling celebrated, right? It can lead to being made fun of by those around you. It can lead to losing a promotion because you're choosing faithfulness and obedience to God instead. It can lead to your friends not being your friends anymore. It can lead to dating relationships ending because you want to remain pure. It can mean that following Jesus in obedience can even lead to engagements being broken off. It can lead to business partners parting ways. Y'all, sometimes obeying the Lord feels nothing like a celebration. But remember, we're talking about growing hope and Jesus is showing them this reward for what it means to, to, to finish and let your, your, your faith fuel your actions and not the other way around. Because here's how hope grows. My hope grows when I trust that my obedience today will be celebrated in heaven one day. That somewhere God sees and is taking note, and one day you will be celebrated for the obedience that you chose. When you understand that and believe that, hope grows. Let's look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So church, it's a simple question. He who has an ear, let him hear. Church, are we listening? She who has an ear, let her hear. Now, now, for those of you who are watching, um, touch your ear for me. You got them, right? As far as I know, everybody at Fellowship and as far as I know, all of you listening have two ears, right? If you've got at least one, Jesus is asking you, are you listening with it? So are you? Do you need hope to grow? Well, what if we tried this? What if we tried believing that God knows you personally? and loves you personally. And maybe today is the day that you say yes to that God. Maybe today is the day that you say yes to him, his offer of salvation, because he knows you personally and he wants the best for you. By doing that, you can simply say yes to Jesus right now, yes to following him. Maybe for those of you who already have, maybe you need to identify where you need to change and repent. Now listen, I have seen the stats. Alcohol consumption and purchase has gone up tremendously thanks to COVID-19, right? And I'm not a teetotaler by any means, but maybe, just maybe, if you're concerned that you're going to have to detox from something when, you're, when the stay home, stay safe is over, maybe that detox needs to start now right? Maybe that's where you need to change. Maybe an area of change too is something you don't want to detox from. As I've been talking to people, some people have seen parts of their life that are really good right now. And maybe the change and the thing that you need to repent of is going to come later. That you're going to want to keep something that, that God has shown you right now. Keep a habit in place of reading your Bible and praying and spending time leading and shepherding your family. And, and when busyness starts hitting again, you're going to have to hit busyness back. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness from folks where you need to forg- where you need forgiveness, where you've wronged them. Maybe you need to repent and change. And when you do, you need to remember to obey because heaven sees in one day that will be celebrated. If not today, it will be celebrated one day. And so let me ask you church, those of you with ears on your head, right? Where do you need to change? Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish off and I'm going to pray for us. And what I'm going to what I ask you to do while I pray is ask you to listen to the Spirit of God about where you need to change. And I want God to speak to you and then I want you to do what he says. Right. And so I'm going to pray for us. I have a real quick announcement afterwards. Um, and, and, and I want you to listen to the Spirit of God. Let's pray, Jesus, in the quiet and stillness right now, and I hope that it is quiet and still for you as you're watching this. If not, then play it back later, but in the quiet and stillness, Jesus, I ask you to speak to us. Your undivided attention is on us, on each person listening right now, the full attention of God, Is with us. And Jesus, I ask that you would show us where we need to change. I ask that you would show us what we need to change. Maybe it's this. Maybe there's those listening right now that do need to say yes to Jesus. Yes to his offer of salvation. Yes to a deep and personal intimate relationship with a God who loves them and created them. Maybe Maybe you could draw them to you right now. Maybe, maybe it's about controlling my words is what I need to change, especially around my kids. If so, speak to those. Give them the specific words that need to change. Maybe they need to talk about you more to their kids. Talk about stories of your faithfulness and love and kindness. Maybe they need to change the language that they're using in front of their kids. Father, would you show them? Father, maybe what needs to change is the way that they see you, that they need to believe that your your attention is fully on them because you love them, and with that full attention, maybe they even need to understand that you like them. That you aren't some far off God demanding more of them. You're a best friend showing up for coffee with them because you enjoy spending time with them. Maybe there are those who need to drink less during this time. Hmm. And maybe there are those who need to break off relationships that are pulling them away from you instead of helping. These relationships aren't helping them draw closer to you, Father. If that's them, show, show them. And Father, in this stillness, and in this quiet, speak. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. Lord, that you would suffer on a cross for me, for us, just so we could have a good relationship with a God who loves us and created us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.